Hey everyone, before we get to the episode, I want to tell you all about our presenting sponsor, Tall Slim Tees. I have spent the last few weeks of warm weather in my perfectly fitting crew and v-neck tees, but with fall around the corner, did you know the guys at Tall Slim Tees offer longer sleeve options as well? They even have thermal wear for those cold nights that are fast approaching. Everything about their clothing is absolutely perfect for a taller, larger than average man or woman, and for my listeners... They want to save you 10% on your order by entering promo code KOREA10 at checkout. That's the word KOREA and the number 10. Such a wide variety of styles at amazing value and an extra 10% in savings as well. There is simply no reason to not head to tallslimtees.com today and get you or someone else you know a stylish shirt that fits perfectly. That's tallslimtees.com. Let's get to the show. Listen to what your body's telling you. Listen to what your brain is telling you. Boy, when you, when you align with what's, what's important to you, it's everything so much easier. Welcome to the latest installment of Career Competitor with me, Steve Meller. And as a member of the CG Sports Network, we are the show that seeks to light the competitive fire within you in order to succeed within your career. I am looking forward to welcoming in our guest today who has some terrific perspectives on human connection and business development. But firstly, let me encourage you to give me a follow on Instagram at career underscore competitor and also connect with me on LinkedIn as these are my two main outlets for all content surrounding the show. Specifically, check out my Food for Thought Friday, where I am asking for insight in response to my teachable takeaway that I share at the end of each episode. And piggybacking off this, I would also love for you to head to careercompetitor.com, where you can share your thoughts on this and any other episode you may have listened to recently. Now for this episode, and we welcome on an entrepreneurial expert with customers and clients the world over, Mike Bursick, thanks to his successful ventures with Sacred Rides and most recently Wayfinders, a company that specializes in creating a tight-knit community of incredible entrepreneurs bonded by peak experiences and epic adventures in spectacular remote locations around the world. Mike's work with Wayfinders and throughout the past two decades for that matter has focused on providing experiences and opportunities for people to build true and authentic connections. Mike's approach to his entrepreneurial life is a great example on the importance of knowing your company's mission in its purest form before trying to share it with the world. Throughout our conversation, I encourage you to listen out to Mike's comfort in who he is and the power that has had on getting him to where he is today. So let's welcome in Mike Bursick to Career Competitor, and I hope you all enjoy. All right, well, I am so excited to bring on Mike Bursick to the Career Competitor podcast this morning. First and foremost, Mike, how are you? I'm doing pretty great, thanks. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm so so excited to have you on the show, Mike. North of the border as well. Tell everybody where you are this morning. Yeah, I'm in Toronto, Canada, uh, bustling metropolis. 
Yeah. And uh, you're one of the handful of people now that I've been fortunate enough to benefit from reaching out to me. And I'm always just so incredibly humbled when, when I get that opportunity to to connect with someone that if it wasn't for this show, uh, we probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do so. And the 30 minutes that we had a chance to speak on the phone prior to this interview told me everything that, uh, you know, this is going to be a really fun discussion and a, a great opportunity for our listeners to, to take away some some fantastic insight from a from a guy that's uh, done a heck of a lot. Uh, that's, let's be honest. So, Mike, before we go into much of what you've done up to this point, why don't you tell everybody what it is you're doing uh, at the moment today? Yeah, so... Uh... I've been an entrepreneur for 24 years coming up. I think this will be my 25th anniversary coming up uh, as, as, a, as an entrepreneur for better or for worse. Um, I, I, I sold my last company in February of 2019. And for the last three years or so, there was a bit of an overlap between the two companies. I've been running a company called Wayfinders. And basically what I do is I put on uh, sort of adventure retreats for entrepreneurs in crazy places around the world, like the Amazon, Greenland, Rwanda, Bhutan, Fiji. And um, we have a lot of fun, but ultimately the goal is create an environment where people can connect on a really deep level and and forge the types of connections that are gonna endure for their whole lives. And um, you know, for an entrepreneur who's, who's always dealing with some sort of challenge and battle and whatever, it's super valuable to have a great network of people who are kind of in the trenches with you and they understand what you're going through. And that's, um, you know, I get a lot of pleasure out of, and and a lot of other projects that I do that are just designed around human connection. Mm-hmm. So it's been a it's been a blast. I get to, you know, I can I get to combine my love of travel and love of adventure with my love of of humans and human connection. And it's um, you know, I couldn't be more grateful. And obviously things are on a little bit of hold right now, but um, have a full slate of stuff happening in 2021, and I'm excited. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. I'm so happy to hear that you know 2021 is already uh, filled with plans for you uh, to get things back up and running. I'm I'm sure you've been you've been uh, you know negatively affected by some of this stuff this year, but at, at the same time, I think the the purpose behind your company was was just something that uh, when you explained it to me initially, it, it just resonated so much with me because. I love to connect with people that are going through what I'm going through, whether that it can be a very positive experience of what you're going through and the intricacies, let's say, of being an entrepreneur, I can assume are just multifaceted and everyone's dealing with things in, in, a, in such a variety of ways and having that opportunity to connect with people that can certainly empathize with what you're going through, but maybe offer insight that you didn't even think about, but doing it then in a just incredible environment where whether it be a rainforest whether it be greenland as you mentioned you know i think it's just such a a fascinating uh, fascinating company and, and we'll certainly learn a little bit more about that uh later on but you know a big part of you coming on this show specifically is is your background not just in in recreation with what you've been doing professionally but prior to that all the way back when you were younger playing sports tell us a little bit about your background playing sports yeah uh i mean when i was a when I was a kid, my parents kind of supported every whim, um, and I had a lot of I had a lot of sporting whims. So my first one was skiing. I think I was probably about four years old when my parents put me on skis, and just totally fell in love with that, and uh, still still am to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know continued through childhood and high school, playing football and rugby in university, playing varsity level rugby, um, and university was also where I where I discovered mountain biking and. And uh, it's funny, you know, back then that was, that would have been, um, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And that was sort of the, the, 
the, the birth of mountain biking or when it really took off. You know, right. it's, it's kind of uh, the birth was late 70s in California, but then in the 80s, it really took off and became this mainstream, mainstream sport. And it had, uh, I think it was Mountain Bike Action or some mountain bike magazine. And in the back, they had all these mail order things. And I didn't have enough for a, a whole bike, but I, I ordered myself a frame. Right. And then that frame hung on my wall until I could, uh, I could buy front fork and then you know wow. a few weeks later or a month later i bought a front fork and this bike took probably took about eight months before i you know i had all the money to get her buy all the parts and it just yeah. came, came together piece by piece and probably cost me you know twice as much as it would have to cut to buy a whole bike but uh when that thing was done and i took it out on the trails i was just I, you know i was just instantly hooked it was it was like this just you know mind-blowing experience of like being being out in the woods on a bike and your your mind is super sharp and focused on what's right in front of you and it's this incredibly meditative experience and then you know little did i know that that would turn into a, a 24-year career yeah and, and let's let's move right into that because i think this is where this you know makes a lot of sense to tell everybody what that first company that you alluded to earlier was that you uh that you sold in in early last uh, last year tell everybody about this the story of, of your previous company yeah so right after the day after my last exam, I, I decided I didn't I didn't want to be an economist, which was what my <laughs> my degree was in, and uh, I didn't even know what that meant, and uh, yeah. I, and I just knew it wasn't for me. And uh, the day after my last exam, I I piled everything into my Volvo station wagon and drove out to the mountains uh, of British Columbia. Ended up there in this beautiful little ski town called Fernie. Um, within three, four months, I got fired from three different jobs. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a hard lesson in understanding that, you know, maybe I'm not such a good employee, and I don't work well for others. Right. Um, and um, I was I was just walking along the river trail in town with a friend trying to figure out, you know, what the heck am I going to do now? Yeah. Uh, I think in this small town of 6000 people, my name has probably been dragged through the mud by now. <laughs> and um, so he said, well, you love mountain biking and there's all these amazing trails around here and more and more tourists come to town. Why don't you, you know, why don't you see if people pay you to take them out on the trails? Hmm. And that, and that seed kind of got planted in my brain, sat with it for a few days and decided what the heck, let's give it a try and ended up convincing a different friend to join me on this venture. And we got a, our first $10,000 loan, bought a fleet of, of bikes that we were going to use for rentals and hung up a sign on the highway. And, um, and, and that was it. And our first our first year, we actually only had one customer, wow. we uh, for for one day trip. And um, but I but I took him out on the trails, and I think we drew straws for who was going to take him out. And um, and uh, I just had this big grin on my face the entire day. I couldn't believe somebody was paying me to to go mountain biking for the day. Right. And uh, you know, thankfully, we rented we did enough bike rentals that uh, it made that season you know not a total disaster. But that was that was. That was all we needed. He ended up leaving about year five, but the company just kept growing and growing uh, about year. And we started offering overnight trips. Uh, I think it was about year 10. We started um, going internationally. So mm -hmm. trips to Peru, Chile, uh, all over Europe, Nepal, New Zealand. Uh, you know, by the, by the time I sold the company, we were in about 45 different countries around mm -hmm. the world and 60 plus staff around the world. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, crazy to look back and think just this, you know, this little idea just took off all over the world. And, um, you know, we ended up getting winning a ton of awards 
for uh, what we were doing. And just, it was a blast, you know, yeah. for, for about 20 of those 23 years. And then the last few years, I, I kind of got a little bit too big for my britches and stressed myself out. And, uh, but uh, yeah, it was an incredible ride. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pardon the pun there, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of just, you know, the whole story, I, these these are the stories I just I love. This is one of the beauties of this show is that I get to hear some of these stories and to hear that it started with a guy who just could only afford a bike frame and that bike frame turned into a bike which turned into a hobby which which turned into twenty three years of your life. Like it's it's wild to think how how that sort of thing can happen and and hearing that your you know the whole story came from just this seed being planted by a friend to to just hey do what you do but take someone with you um you know it's it, it's such a simple concept but as you explain there in terms of where it then grew to you know you took a, a very sort of simple seed that that was this this idea and turned it into this extremely complex yet incredibly probably rewarding process not just for you as the person who was running it but obviously for anybody that was fortunate enough to, to to be on these trails and be on these trips with you too and clearly for anybody listening you know it should become clear at this point that one of your main passions in life is is simply just connecting with others or or being that source for people to connect with one another so what is it specifically that gets you so excited and, and clearly fires you up uh to to bring people together to connect people with one another and just be that resource for others to to have that opportunity to connect yeah, you know, if I'm if I'm being honest about that, it it comes back to my childhood, being an only child, uh, also going to school fairly far away from my neighborhood, so I didn't, you know, I didn't have my school friends to hang out with on the weekend, and mm. I was a bit of an outsider at school, and kind of, you know, I guess just feeling a bit left out and a bit of an outsider for a lot of, um, and you know, and going into high school, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people can re relate with that with that feeling, and. Um, and then later in life, becoming a, a lot more grounded in myself and forging, you know, really authentic, deep connections with people, and, and just feeling how satisfying and 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 um, and nourishing that is to have those relationships. And uh, so a lot of it, I think, comes down to just wanting that same thing for other people, and also this recognition that you know most people do not have uh, do not have a network of deep, meaningful, satisfying relationships to draw on. You know, mm. they might have they might have some good friends, but they're very surface level connections, or mm. perhaps they're feeling really isolated. And um, you know, all all of the all of my experience and all of the research that I've done shows that th that is the number one driver of human human flourishing and well-being. And uh, so for me to be able to provide that for other people is is incredibly meaningful, incredibly fulfilling. And um, everything I do, whether it's an event in the Amazon or whether it's, uh, you know, I do these this dinner series in Toronto, when I um, when I get emails from people or, or calls or whatever, and they tell me, you know, thank you so much for the incredible care you put into this and the connections that I made that evening were wonderful. And when I hear that, you know, friendships, enduring friendships have have resulted as, as a result of what I do, and in some cases, you know, love relationships as well, yeah. um, it's it's incredibly satisfying. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing feeling to provide that for people. So that, that keeps me going. It, it, you know, pretty much permeates everything I do. It, it really is it really is fascinating to me because uh, again at the surface level of this it, it's like there's a guy who's you know for the tw for 23 years running a mountain bike company with the opportunity to go on excursions and at the surface level that's that's what people probably see that's what people probably assume and, and underneath it all 
and this is in my opinion undoubtedly why it was successful is this personal mission of yours to connect people and 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 doing so from a place that is extremely near and dear to your heart and and this is something that i could not be in any more agreement with in, in in terms of just that ability to to connect on a deeper level and have specific people in your life that honestly there should only be about four or five in in my opinion uh within that circle that you can truly say hey on on any given day i know i can reach out to person a person b and that they're going to be able to pick up a phone and we're going to be able to have the conversation that i need to have in that moment and this is something in this generation (laughs) that is so hard to get uh people to understand is that you're actually not supposed to have 500 friends. It's, 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 that's, yeah. not a, that's not a normal thing. And, you know, again, I work on this with my athletes all the time when they tell me how, you know, maybe they fall, you know, have a disagreement with someone that they consider to be a friend. And, and the more you start to talk to them, you realize they've never really had a, a serious conversation with this person. So it's, it's hard, to, hard to categorize them as, as a friend and, and hearing you sort of talk about the way you define connection and the way you define relationships, I think is something that is a message that people need to really understand especially especially of this generation going into the workforce now you you probably aren't going to be best friends with the person sitting next to you in the office but you can work on building a connection and and who knows maybe that will turn into a friendship but you know the connection is, is the connection is paramount the connection is the first thing that must come and I love hearing that you're able to to provide something like that and you know for someone who's a, a former athlete you've turned entrepreneur what has sport and exercise meant to you in in terms of just defining who you are? Because I love how you mentioned before mountain biking was this meditative exercise for you at first. What has sport and exercise done for you as as an individual? Would you say? Well, I mean, bringing it back to this this um, this issue of human connection, I, I would say my experiences with sport in my in my formative years were some of my first experiences with with deep human connection and you know one thing i've found both with what i do currently you know my current company what i did with my previous company sacred rides is that when you take a group of people and you put them together to confront challenges and that could be you know climbing a monstrous climb at at 4300 meters in in peru or it could be uh you know taking on the number one ranked team in um in ontario rugby Mm. who are who are you know outweigh you by 30 pounds <laughs> uh, um, when you do that together confronting those challenges together it's it's like this glue of, of of human bonding it brings people together when they're confronting challenges together and so that's you know that's what sport has brought to me and and you know same when I just go out for a ride with my friends you know we'll go um, we're gonna go out today and we'll just m- maybe two or three of us but um, that act of just sweating together and grunting together and, hmm. and falling together and stuff like that, that's, um, you know, that, that ultimately is what sport has meant for me. And, and also, you know, the other big thing that it brings to me is it learning more about myself and my ability to overcome challenge mm-hmm. and, um, you know, learning, learning about my ability to push through things when everything in me is telling me to quit you know, when I can dig down and find that extra gear or whatever it is. And I think back to um, one of my experiences in Greenland, I was, um, I was basically guinea pigging a new, a new trip that we were going to launch. It was a, it was a fat bike trip that started at the, the ice cap and went 100 and, 110 miles to the, um, to the coast. Mm. And, you know, on a fat bike in snow, you're not, 
you're, you're only going about three miles an hour uh, at best. Right. So it's very, it's very slow plotting uh, work. But our days were extremely long, like eight, nine hours. And it's, it's so cold that you can't really stop. You stop, yeah. you, you start. So it's just nonstop grinding. And I remember, uh, I think it was the second day of this trip. And we were about, about six miles away from the cabin. Mm. And um, the, I, was, I was with a photographer and writer. And she had kind of, she was really fit. And she had kind of blown past me. She was almost at the cabin. Um, and with, with, there was two snowmobiles as our backup and one of them had gone to, you know, light the fire, get dinner going, all that kind of stuff. And one was behind with me and he checked in with me and said, how you doing? And uh, I said, I said, I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, you can go back to the cabin. I'll see you there. I thought it was about a, a mile to go to the cabin. I don't know why. Uh, it was about six miles to go. Wow. And he took off and within about five minutes, I completely hit the wall and, and, and just everything like no energy left. And I, and I, we were on a frozen lake and I just laid down, uh, on that lake and I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't move my body, anything. I was just lying on this ice and I was there for about 10 minutes freezing, um, you know, getting colder and colder by the second and wondering, are they going to come back for me? Cause I told them to, to get going. And I told them I was, I was good. And, uh, I realized after about 10 minutes that, you know, they probably weren't coming for me. And, um, and I, I needed to get my ass up and, and get moving or I was going to freeze and, you know, die on that, on that yeah. lake there. And I got back on that bike and it was, you know, took every ounce of, of mental fortitude to just move my legs. And, and for the next, it was about over an hour to get, to get to the cabin for the next hour. It was just, I was focusing on one pedal stroke at a time, just turn your legs. And if you can turn your legs once, just turn them a second time and just keep going. And I've never been that exhausted or, or that challenged in my life, but you know, that taught me something a little bit about my ability to, you know, deal with adversity. And I still think back to that moment whenever I'm confronted with a big challenge in my life, it, you know, could be with work or relationships or whatever. And um, that carries over into the rest of my life and, and is, um, you know, has been a great learning lesson for me. Absolutely. Wow. You know, talk about just one pedal at a time, you know, just having that ability to at a time where, you know, you, you, without a doubt, you're, you're in desperation mode and, and you're finding a way to, to still remain true to understanding that listen there's a there's a process that i need to follow in this moment i can't get too caught up about an hour an hour from now and getting to the cabin and thinking about the cabin i, I need to actually think about this next pedal and then the pedal after that and then the pedal after that and if i remain present and think about those things then you know where i'm trying to get to will arrive uh you mm -hmm. know i think that's uh such a powerful message and uh goodness me i mean i i think about some of my hardest stories as an athlete i don't think i was ever in that that area of desperation i i actually actually recorded videos for my my wife and kids because i i actually thought you know there's uh there's a chance that i might not make it right it was, this could be it, was, it. absolutely that crazy yeah. yeah goodness me wow wow just an incredible story and one thing that really came to me while you were talking there and i, I think you referenced a, a rugby team that you're playing for yeah, yeah my thought was really more just about the the connection and the relationships that you've been working through with with all of your work up to this point and really just the impact that can have on a team because a lot of what we've talked about so far is is more of that individual person-to-person -person connection maybe not thinking about the the team component what in your experience over the last 25 years uh, could you maybe pull from and, and and give us some insight on in terms of maybe some of the work you've done that's really elevated and improved that connection within teams 
Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've been working with, with, you know, if you take the broad definition of, of team, which mm. a group of, you know, 10 people going in Nepal for mm. 12, 12 days of mountain biking, that's kind of a team. Uh, but most recently, I've been doing a lot of facilitation work with teams in companies. Mm. And my work is centered around creating more connection and psychological safety. And, um, and psychological safety is just this notion of, can I trust the people around, around me? Um, can they trust me? Can I bring my whole self to this place without having to hide uh, parts of me? And so Google did this. It was called Project Aristotle, uh, Aristotle a few years ago, and they did this exhaustive study. You know, Google obviously has a lot of teams, sure. thousands, thousands of them throughout, throughout the company, and they wanted to know what is it that you know, makes some teams successful and, 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 and others not so much. And what they found was the number one predictor of team success and productivity was psychological safety. Hmm. And that, you know, that carries into all sorts of environment. If you have a, a team who, you know, are made up of individuals, but they function, uh, they function as a unit towards a common goal, the more you can create that connection and psychological safety, the better they are going to be at achieving that goal. And so if you take that, you know, for instance, to a sports team confronting some pretty serious challenges, hmm. and, you know, in the case of that game against Waterloo, you know, I'm lining up against people who are 30, 40 pounds bigger than me and can break me into, into little pieces. Uh, I really have to rely on my teammates mm. uh, in an environment like that. And if I have that, you know, that connection and that psychological safety and we know we can rely on each other um, and we know that we're united against the same goal and there isn't a lot of, you know, unspoken stuff. And the thing is when, you know, when you have psychological safety in a team, it means that people can bring the stuff that might normally go unspoken. And when it goes unspoken, those issues and whatever, they fester, they become bigger and bigger. And that's when teams can break down. And then you think, well, geez, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put myself out there for, for this team or for this person because uh, I don't give a rat's ass about them. But mm. when you create that connection among people, they care for each other and they want to go, they want to go the extra mile for each other. And, you know, creating that connection, um, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science. You don't need, you don't need facilitators or whatever. It's just creating, creating time and space for, for natural conversations to occur. And, you know, you can seed those, um, those, those questions, uh, you know, like what, what, you know, what was one of your most challenging moments as an athlete or what was your, what was your, your highlight as, as an athlete and people just being able to share stuff like that mm. and just learning more about each other. Um, as human beings, that is incredibly bonding. And um, that, that's what creates that safety that, that drives teams forward. Absolutely. Uh, psychological safety is a, is a term that's uh, very new to me and I love it. Uh, I think it, it, it's all encompassing in terms of just like you alluded to trust, but at the same time, uh, that desire to be vulnerable with one another as well. And I think that is such a a powerful concept, something that I've always been preaching around people that I get to influence is I think vulnerability is something that we we take for granted. Uh, we don't necessarily appreciate the power of it. And, and so with that in mind is, you know, the more we can bring it to the forefront of our discussions, uh, the, the deeper those connections can become and the easier it's going to be to have that psychological safety, as you mentioned, and uh, just, just all really insightful, incredible stuff, Mike. And just one area I'd love to cover for some well a lot of our listeners i know for a fact are either still going through school or new to the workforce and, and with that in mind as someone who's had this 23 year experience um working with sacred rides and, and and decided that 
it was time to sell the company, move on and, and create a new company in Wayfinders and now move into that venture. Can can you maybe speak about one or two things that were, let's call them warning signs or just just signs in general that told you, listen, now is the time for me to walk away from this and start thinking about something else? Because I think this is something that especially people new to their careers, and you know, you mentioned that you yeah. were fired three times in four months when you first started your career. You know, some people that get into a job and they just assume I need to stay here for X amount of time, otherwise it won't count or it won't be enough. You know, what what does those what do those signs look like in terms of, hey, it's time to maybe move on and and try something new? Well, to be honest, this is something, you know, I'm I've only become better at in the last couple of years. Mm. Um I, I think, you know, looking back at my previous company, I, I think I ignored a lot of signs for for several years and probably probably stuck around in that company, you know, maybe four or five years too long. Um, and, and I have zero regrets uh, at yeah. this point. You know, I, I learned so much in those last few years. Um, but a lot of it is just is just taking the time to stop and listen, you know, listen to what your your body's telling you, listen to what your brain is telling you. You know, it's very easy for most of us to just get caught in the day to day and just, you know, your go, 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 your foot's on the gas all the time. Um, but taking time to really understand what's, you know, understand yourself. And for me, it was, you know, it was a painful process. My last few years in that company, I was really pushing growth. I brought on a ton of investors, hired a lot of people, um, really ramped up the stress level. And, um, you know, it, I, I'd, I'd become dissatisfied going back a number of years. And I thought, well, I need some new challenges. I'm going to, you know, raise a whole bunch of money and then I'm going to expand and, um, you know, I was expanding something that I'd outgrown and I'd, I'd sort of done everything I wanted to do with that company. And the roller coaster ride of my previous company, there was times where, you know, the company was on the brink of disaster mm. and I could have recognized, I could have recognized that as a, as a sign to move on, but I stubbornly persisted right. and, you know, I'm glad I persisted, uh, during those, those moments because it led me to all kinds of other wonderful things in my company and it taught me lessons. But then, you know, with the last one, like I said, um, with the last few years, ultimately it was a recognition that, Hey, I've done everything I can with this company. My energy is no longer there. And, um, you know, that's, if you're finding it really hard to, um, to, to just do basic things, you know, with your work, for instance, mm. um, that's probably a, a sign that you're just not in alignment with it. And sometimes we just got to, you know, it's not, not that easy. It's not a great job market out there. That's for sure. sure. Um, so sometimes we've got to push through, but, you know, I'll keep in mind and pay attention to those subtle internal cues that when you're, when you're not feeling it, say, Hey, maybe this is a sign, right? And boy, when you, when you align with what's, what's important to you, it's everything so much easier. Yeah, that's uh, some beautiful stuff. As someone who's done a lot of inner work himself the last five years, you know, it sounds like we've been on a very similar course in that regard in, in, in the sense of, you know, doing a lot of personal reflection. And I, I like the way you put it of, of finding that alignment and so it's easier to flow. And it should be that simple in many ways, you know, understanding that how can it possibly flow if the alignment's off? Everything has to be aligned. And, uh, you know, for me personally, understanding so much of what you actually uh, discussed earlier with with that ability to have deeper connection and that uh, willingness to, to to show adversity during difficult times I think all of those abilities all of those things that you you can actually do 
uh, are much easier to do when you're very comfortable with who you are and and, and your inner being uh, and, and hearing that you had to get to the sort of <laughs> the, the, the stressful point to, to realize that listen something needs to change um, I, again I can very much relate to that as someone who's gone through it himself but one thing before I let you go Mike I, I really wanted just to kind of get to this in the sense of you know you the competitor um, you know you've 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 referenced a few times now the the different components in your life where you had to compete you, you had to find a way to to either fight back or find ways to stay ahead for, for you now on this on this somewhat new adventure with what you're doing with wayfinders talk about you know what you're going to maybe define as as a win when it comes to this new company now what what creates that fire within you as a competitor for this company to be a success yeah great question um I, I mean, for me, it's um, I, I've taken a very different approach with this company, hmm. and um, I from the from the get go, I decided I would only do two events a year, twenty five people per event, and I would put my heart and soul into those events and make them as amazing as possible, hmm. and um, and I've resisted all kinds of opportunities to scale, and people you know people approach me, hey, will you, you know, will you help design my event for me? And um, from, you know, for me, ultimately, is the win is can I do work that is um, really meaningful to me, but not, but, you know, have plenty of other time to pursue other things. And, I, and I've kind of gotten away from this, um, this notion, which I think is very popular, that work is the place where we seek our, our purpose. Uh, work is definitely one avenue where I seek my purpose, but it's not the only one. Mm-hmm. And there's, I, I find a lot of purpose in being uh, the best father I can be, the best husband I can be, the best friend I can be. Um, and so to me, you know, the, the, the win is really just continuing to um, find more and more alignment in the work that I do and in the relationships that I have. And, and that's ultimately a process of just more and more self-discovery. And, um, and, and like I said, and when you, and when you, when you bring that to your work and to your relationships or whatever, um, people are attracted to that. They don't, they don't feel, uh, they, they just feel attracted to, Hey, this is somebody who's being completely authentic about what they're doing. I don't feel like I'm being sold to, I don't feel, um, you know, there's any pull or push towards anything. And, um, the more I can do that, the easier everything be- becomes. And, um, and, you know, and, and ultimately from a business perspective, a win for me is just continuing to drive, um, continuing to drive huge value for my clients, mm-hmm. my customers. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, if, if they are happy, then I'm happy. And, and then it just makes, makes things easier again, because they, they just want to keep coming back. They keep telling their friends. And so I've always, I've always made, even with my previous company, I always maintain the best marketing. It's just having the best product out there. And uh, you do that. You don't have, like. I don't spend any money on marketing. It's right. it's all it's all it's all done for me. So, um, you know, when I have customers just raving about me and sending their friends messages and, and to me, then that's that's a big win for me. Absolutely. Well, it all sounds it all sounds incredible. And, and and with that in mind, Mike, tell tell everybody listening where they can maybe find out more about about Wayfinders, about yourself, just really anything that you can maybe provide. Yeah, I mean, publicly a lot where where myself is showing up these days is uh, in in the blog, the Wayfinders blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I write a lot about um, about alignment and how to find more meaning and fulfillment and joy from from work and life and all that kind of stuff. So it's way-finders.com, and if you go there and click on the blog uh, link in the nav menu, you can find that. And um, yeah. 
probably the best spot to start. Love it, love it. I'll certainly be uh, navigating over that way at some point soon then myself. And uh, Mike, honestly, this has been such a pleasure and I knew it would be. I knew it would just be such a, a wonderful opportunity for our listeners to get some uh, some new perspective on a, on a few different things. But I've also found a uh, a, a great ally, let's say, in, in someone who's trying to do very similar things to myself. And uh, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your uh, you know, just authenticity throughout and uh, all the best to you for the remainder of this year and obviously heading into next year too. Thank you. Yeah, and I appreciate what you do as well. And my thanks to Mike for joining us on the show today. And as always, we'll finish with my career competitor keys to success, starting with my competitive call, which for this episode is alignment, a term that is rarely used, but one that I connect with enormously when it comes to my day to day. I love the obvious comfort that Mike has with his approach to life and the simple way he can then apply who he is and his mission to his work. With the many roles we have in our lives, we don't want a conflicting version of ourselves every time we transition from one area to the next. There will obviously be different ways we maybe interact, let's say, if we are in our role as a parent one minute and then in our role as a supervisor, for instance, the next. But if we can all look at ways to implement more alignment with our thoughts, our actions, and in our relationships, then we will eventually establish more consistent values and a personality we can seamlessly implement across our many roles in life. Next is my teachable takeaway. Do you have deep connection with those closest to you? We hear the term inner circle a lot when it comes to who we allow to influence us on a day-to-day basis. Too often we are listening to people that happen to be around or in a position to influence us and we have simply allowed them to get close enough to do that without maybe ever recognizing if that is a healthy thing or not. If you know who your handful of people are that can get close enough to you to influence you daily, ask yourself if you have a deep enough connection with them in order to allow them to play such an integral part in your performance and most importantly, within your mindset. And finally, my motivational move, strive to keep going one pedal stroke at a time. When it comes to the entrepreneur approach, you learn quickly to work to keep going with or without the support. But I think we can all take motivation in the literal version of this that Mike shared in his story on the fat bike adventure, finding himself stranded on the verge of freezing to death. Within your role today, how often might you look at situations feeling like you are totally isolated, struggling with no help in sight? Maybe we have the opportunity to ask for help, but sometimes the expectations on us or the deadline that has been set leaves us no time for such an option. Having the tenacity to keep going while acknowledging it might need to be just fractional steps forwards at a time is something that can keep us in a more optimistic and motivated mindset. If we have any hope of maintaining enough momentum to move towards the end goal, then sometimes it all starts with a pedal stroke sized effort or accomplishment to get us heading in the right direction. I hope you enjoyed both my discussion with Mike and my keys to success, and I also hope you enjoyed the show enough to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, to subscribe or follow the show, and that you will also be able to join us for our next episode very soon. 
Until then, best of luck with everything you have going on within your world and bye for now.